0: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning as we continue our spirited series. And this morning we're looking at uh, the events in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. It's the episode where um, Paul and Silas end up in uh, prison and also what happened in that prison cell. You you all have noticed that the Holy Spirit has been front and centre in all of the talks that we've had up to this point. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, when Troy introduced the series, you could see how that event just changed everything. It was like the fresh wind of a new creation uh, blew in in that uh, situation in Acts chapter 2. If you want to read it sometime again, do that. Jesus had promised that when he left, physically left this earth, he would send his spirit. And uh, that was the occasion when his spirit came in power and actually came and dwelt within the early disciples and so from that point on it was as if the law um, that had previously been written on tablets of stone was actually written on the soft tissue of the of the human hearts of the disciples of Jesus and so that was a massive change God who had sometimes come upon people by his spirit now actually lived within them by his spirit and so it was a whole new creation. And so then we had a talk on the on Acts chapter 8 as the message spread, as the Christians were scattered due to persecution. Um, and there was a great response with uh, signs and miracles. Peter and John, they lay their hands on some of the new disciples in Samaria and they received the Holy Spirit. And then... Um, it's as if the promise to Abraham that all of the nations were going to be blessed through the nation of Israel is starting to be fulfilled because the word is spreading beyond just the Jews and beyond just Jerusalem to the, uh, to the wider, wider world. And then in Acts 9, we had that amazing story about how Saul, that violent antagonist against the Christians, he's blinded by light from heaven and under the care of, of Ananias, one of the early Christians, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit and his eyes are open to a, a totally new reality. Saul later becomes Paul, and uh, becomes a very, very powerful witness uh, to Jesus in the early church. And then in last Sunday in Acts 19, Bron talked to us about how Paul in Ephesus meets some new disciples, explains to them about the Holy Spirit, and he places his hands on them, and they speak in tongues and they prophesy. Now this morning to begin with, I think. I have to admit that my own experience of God's indwelling spirit hasn't been marked by spectacular healings or miracles or even speaking in tongues or prophesying. But it has been a day-by-day awareness of God's presence in my life, keeping me on the right paths, showing me the way of Jesus through the Bible and prompting me to take small actions guide him into the places where God can use the gifts that he's given me. And you know, in this passage we read this morning, there's some amazing things happen, but the Holy Spirit doesn't get a mention in today's passage, and the events are maybe less spectacular, and yet the things that happen in today's story have the work of God through his Spirit just written all over them. And uh, maybe it's the message you and I need to hear today as we seek to, to keep in step with the Spirit and to be about what he wants us to do in his world. I've got this little flip chart today to uh, just keep us on track. And the first point I want to make is about possession and power. If you've got a Bible, you might want to open it to Acts chapter 16. The first little part in verse 17 to 18 goes like this. There's a uh, Paul and and Silas and, and probably Luke and Timothy are on their way to a place of prayer in Philippi. Now, there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi, but they'd found this place of prayer and uh, some early Christians there, and they encounter a fortune-telling slave girl on their way, and she's possessed with what's described as a spirit of divination. And uh, she was obviously a very valuable asset to her owners as her fortune-telling brought them significant money, I, I imagine. And it says here, she followed Paul and us, that's uh, Luke. And when it says us in this passage, it's, it's an indication that Luke, who writes the book of Acts, is actually present with them during these, um, these events. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And uh, this became annoying and distressing to Paul. And we might ask ourselves, why was Paul distressed? Because it seems that she's, she's actually spelling out some truth. Uh, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And we reading that today uh, probably think, well, she's telling the truth. So why was Paul distressed? And I, re- I reckon there's probably two, two reasons. One is that he, he probably thought she's a dodgy messenger. Um, here's truth, but it's emanating from a, a bad witness. Um, he probably doesn't want it to appear... Uh, like a true statement about him and his friends that they're servants of the most high God and that they're proclaiming the way of salvation is coming from the mouth of someone who's clearly possessed by a spirit other than the spirit of the God who was operating in Paul by his Holy Spirit so maybe Paul's concerned that she's a dodgy messenger but also maybe he's concerned that the message is a dodgy message you see when you and I hear the phrase the Most High God. We assume that the reference is to the God of the Bible, the God that uh, we understand from from the Bible that we have here. Um, but the people of Philippi wouldn't have naturally made that connection, and the assumption that um, Paul, um, as a servant of the Most High God, might have been being identified with one of their gods, maybe Zeus in the pantheon of the Greek gods, the the highest gods. And so Paul's concerned that they're. The people might be saying, hey, he's a, he's a servant of Zeus. And whatever the reason for their distress, Paul simply acts um, by saying to the spirit that's in this woman, he turns and he says to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. See, Paul did what Jesus would have done. And these early disciples, as they're empowered by the spirit, are able to do the things that Jesus would have done if he'd been there. You see, Saul had had that experience that we we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the Damascus Road where he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and he'd been empowered by God to serve. And we have an example in this little um, instance here of Paul being able to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, to the spirit that's in this girl, come out of her, And it came out of her. And Paul possesses a spirit, the spirit of the living God, that is stronger than the spirit of divination that's active in that slave girl. I reckon in this story we have a reminder also of the unseen battle that goes on behind the scenes in our world. Paul says in another place that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but we struggle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And it's also a reminder that the one who is in us as followers of Jesus, God indwelling us by his spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, the evil one. And we see this battle repeatedly, don't we, in the life of Jesus. He began his public ministry with an intense you know, 40-day battle in the wilderness um, where he's tempted by the devil. And in the months that followed, there are numerous uh, strange encounters that Jesus has with demons. And I guess as we read all these things in our 21st century Western world, we don't quite know what to do with it. How do we relate to the idea of of spiritual forces of evil at work against us? You know, over 50 years ago, uh, C.S. Lewis summed it up well. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we can actually choose not to believe in them or we can be so interested in them that it's unhealthy. Um, And so it's possible, isn't it, for for each of us to... I think, well, there's no uh, evil underlying activity that goes on in our world and just ignore the possibility, or to be so uh, taken up with it that it takes all our time and we're thinking about complicated spiritual hierarchies and how we can uh, pray with special techniques against these things. And I, I think in all of this we need a balance. Tom Wright says this, he says, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the powers and authorities are a beaten, defeated lot so that no one who belongs to Jesus needs to be overawed by them again. That's... The truth, that's what happened at the cross. The powers and the authorities were beaten, defeated once for all. So if you know Jesus, if you've committed the control of your life into his hands, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And the power of the one who's in you is greater than any opposing spiritual power. Let me repeat that. If you know Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in you is greater than any opposing spiritual power, because you, you have the personal presence of the Holy Spirit. You're as it were, you're possessed by the by the very presence of Jesus. Well, point number two, problems and pain. When when the owners of this slave girl saw that their hope of gain was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. You see, things turn ugly from here on in. The real issue is the loss of revenue for these guys who looked after this girl. Her money-making spirit of divination, her fortune-telling ability, is no longer active. And so they are obviously distressed. And yet the actual charges against this girl don't mention that at all. What do they say? They brought them to the magistrates that's Paul and Silas and they said these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city and they're advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice three things really they say number one they're Jews now in Philippi where there wasn't a synagogue uh, they would have known enough about um, Jews to be skeptical and and uh, distrustful and so it's true they are Jews but it's no doubt said with a slur isn't it a sort of almost a touch of racial profiling. These Jews, strange clothes, strange customs, different God, um, shouldn't trust them. And then they're disturbing the peace, disturbing our city. Well, I really much, I very, very much doubt that. I think they would have been disturbing the city a fair bit less than this slave girl was disturbing the city. And then they're advocating customs that are not lawful uh, for us to observe. You see, Philippi was a Roman co- colony, and this is probably half true because. Uh, Paul and Silas and their friends uh, Luke and Timothy, um, they were um, trying to proclaim the message of Jesus. And in a sense, it's probably coming across as being anti-Roman. Well, the crowd joined in a, in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave, them, gave orders to beat them with rods. This is quite a a situation. If it happened in our courts, it would certainly make the news. But for the magistrates to actually start attacking them and tearing off their clothes uh, is quite mind-blowing, isn't it? And then it says, And when they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. They're chained in stocks in what the text calls the inner part of the prison and you can only imagine what that uh, dark and dingy, horrid place must have been life like. And so we see what happens uh, to these men who, who challenge the powers of their world with the power of the name of Jesus. And, and this, we think, is the first time that uh, Paul goes to prison but it's certainly not the last. You see, being God's person and being about god's work isn't a guarantee of protection from problems and from pain paul and silas couldn't have been more committed more open to whatever god wanted to do through them by his spirit but it didn't exempt them from false accusations from beatings from imprisonment and you know god doesn't exempt us from problems and pain even if we're pursuing the things that we think and probably would please God most. Jesus said, you know, he said, in the world you will have trouble. You know, if I was in those stocks, I'd be tempted to think that if if God exists and if he's good, why didn't he protect me from this mess? I don't think we in our our Western uh, affluent society can even get a, a, a handle on what's going on here. I was just thinking about this. The other, I'd get upset if my hot water service goes off for a, for a day and I haven't got hot water. And these guys are in stocks um, in all sorts of difficulty. And yet Paul and Silas here seem to be absolutely certain that their troubles don't mean that God has abandoned them or that he's not powerful and loving and good. So what do they do? It's about midnight And Paul and Silas were praying and singing singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, I reckon only a life that experienced the very presence of God and and had an incredible sense of God living within them by his spirit, only that sort of life can respond to the troubles of life that these guys were in in that way. And can I suggest to you and suggest to me that the way we respond... Um, to the hard times in our lives, the struggles, the heartaches, the losses is going to be a good indicator of how much we 've put our confident trust in the one who promises to never leave us or forsake us. Well, the story takes a sudden um, turn at this point, and i haven 't got this on the on the screen, but listen to this. it says suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And you know, if this had been a, a movie they were making, I reckon that's how it would have uh, it would have ended. The prisoners would have run free. There'd be a great chase through the dark streets of Pillapai. The, the the jail keeper would have um, come to harm, and all sorts of things would have happened. But That's what the the jailkeeper thought it was going to end up like. In fact, the panic that uh, he experienced, um, and this is it here, panic and presumption, um, the panic that he experienced was because he presumed that that's what had happened, that all his prisoners escaped, the responsibility he had, he hadn't kept it because they'd all gone, and he was ready to kill himself. Uh, rather than wait for whatever punishment that might have been meted out to him by his roman bosses Uh, and yet the story, story takes a very different turn doesn't it it says paul cried with a loud voice do not harm yourself for we are all here i wonder what it must have felt like for that jailkeeper to hear those words do not harm yourself for we are all here about to take his life and he hears those words Paul and Silas, again, they did what Jesus would have done if he'd been in their situation. They reached out in love to their captor. They didn't shrink from suffering if it meant that one more person was going to come to know the love of God and put their confident trust in Jesus. I wonder if the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 were ringing in their ears when they they reached out to this um, jail keeper. Jesus said in Matthew 5, um, 43, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas were doing. Well, the jailer, he called for lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Tom Wright suggests, he says, uh, sirs, what must I do to get out of this mess? Uh, being saved being a very, very general uh, expression for what, <laughs> what must I do uh, to be saved? But Paul uh, and Silas, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And it says then after that, and uh, he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family, and he brought them into his house and he set food before them and he rejoiced along with his whole household that he believed in God. You see, God had a greater purpose in the circumstances of Paul and Silas that they couldn't have predicted. They probably could see it in retrospect, um, but they couldn't have seen it ahead of time. What did they do again? They did what Jesus would have done. They spoke the word of God to this family, to this jailkeeper and his family. They showed him the way to get out of his mess, uh, as it were, to be saved. And as I said, being saved could have meant a whole lot of different things to that man. Being saved from uh, the, the punishment that he might have been inflicted if they'd all run away. Um, so saved from physical death in that situation. But salvation... Uh, As Paul and Silas presented it to them Is salvation from sin and from its consequences Uh, Paul was said in another place in Romans 10 He says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead You'll be saved And so Paul and Silas explain that message The message of the love of God Expressed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus To this uh, jail keeper And he clearly confesses that Jesus is Lord. Paul and Silas also, in their heads when they thought of salvation, would have also been thinking that ultimately God is going to save uh, in in, in the sense of a whole new creation. I love this quote from um, uh, Gordon Fee, and it says this, God is not simply saving diverse individuals and preparing them for heaven. Rather, he is creating a people for his name, among whom God can dwell and who in their life together will reproduce God's character and life in all its unity and diversity. You see, Paul and Silas understood that God was about something bigger than themselves. He was creating a people for his name, a people amongst whom he could dwell and a people who in their life together, indwelled by the Spirit of God, could reproduce the life and the character of God himself in all its unity and diversity. See, for Paul and Silas, the the most important thing for them, confronted with this uh, jailkeeper, was to communicate to him the love of God expressed in Jesus. And they say to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and your household. And So as we close this morning, I just want to challenge you as I challenge myself. Number one, do you know Jesus? Do you know him as as King? Do you know him as Lord, Master, the one who's in control of your life? I trust that you do. But if you don't, we'd love you to respond to us in some way so that we could help you. And maybe the Alpha course or something like that is for you if you're just exploring. But I wonder if you're a follower of Jesus, do you realise, have you come to to realise the fact that the one that is in you, living in you, through his Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world that would seek to pull you down. I trust as you walk this earth day by day that that might be your experience, that you know for certain that the one who is in you by his spirit is greater than any evil power that could pull you down. The challenge for me in this passage is, can I praise God when things are tough? Can I see God, um, last person pointless purpose, sorry. Can I see God's purposes in the situations of my life that aren't as easy as I, as I might like them to be? You know, I, I think for me, um, it's easy to run from difficult situations, to try to escape, almost saying, "God, get me out of here," rather than waiting and saying, "God, how do you want to work through me?" in this situation in which you've placed me and that's a challenge you know my greatest challenge is that I have an incredible tendency to rely on my own resources and you know when we rely on our own resources we lose the power of God and yet the the paradox of of the, the, the New Testament teaching about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and our life in him is that When we're weak, then we're strong. When we're powerless in worldly terms, we're most powerful for God. And not about you, but I need that reminder every day that I need to operate using the resources that God's given me rather than my own uh, resources which I so easily fall back on. My prayer for you this morning is like Paul's prayer. May you be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God so that your household, your suburb, your locality, Maroondah, your city, Melbourne, your, your state, Victoria, your country, Australia, your, your world will know that Jesus is King. As I was coming along this morning, I was listening to, to the radio and there's a beautiful song came on and it's a song we sometimes sing at uh, New Community. It said, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread, my daily bread, your very word spoken to me and I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. That's the experience of my life that when I seek to live my life the way I want to live it and leave God out of the picture, it doesn't work because he's the air that I breathe and his word is the light that lights my path I pray that that might be your experience today too as you just think about this story and uh, the way God so powerfully worked by his spirit in the lives of Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy thank you